Welcome to this bonus episode of the 90th percentile. Today, I'm featuring an old interview that Jack Sanger and Joe Folkman did with David Sturt a few years ago about how to do great work in your organization. I hope you can get some great insights from these gentlemen about how you can be better recognized for the great work that you do. Enjoy. Welcome to today's podcast. Uh, Joe Folkman and I are delighted to uh, be here today with our special guest, uh, David Sturt. Uh, David is a New York Times best-selling author. He's the executive vice president of the O.C. Tanner Company. Uh, his career began in market research, where he analyzed the impact of recognition on people and their work. In the past two decades since that time, he has developed products and services that engage employees, inspire their contribution, and reward outstanding results in organizations around the world. David, we're delighted to have you with us. Uh, thanks for joining. Thank you. Pleasure being with you. Uh, let's begin by just <clears throat> talking a little bit about the book, um, Great Work, uh, and what separates it from lots of other books on leadership and, uh, and management that are out there. Uh, tell us a bit about how you see it being differentiated from all the, all the rest. Sure. Uh, we have access to uh, literally millions and millions of records of um, of data of people who have been nominated for and received awards for the work that they've done in their respective organizations around the world. Because we have access to that data, we were able to go in and analyze that data to determine uh, in these nominations where people were nominated for these awards, what were they actually doing? What were the observed behaviors that people saw them doing that led to these extraordinary outcomes. So it was more of a behavior-oriented view on what are those unique things that people do that make the difference. And these are regular people in regular jobs all over the world doing extraordinary things. And in terms of what you found, were the behaviors that led to great work uh, on the part of individual contributors pretty much the same as great work? on the part of managers, or were, did you see some different patterns? We, we, saw, we saw very similar patterns. Uh, the, the basic building blocks of accomplishing great things were very, very much the same. Now, you're going to have nuances for, for managers that might have an additional level of leadership involved in, the, in a project or an initiative, but in terms of those core building blocks, when you break it down to what are people actually doing differently to get better than expected results, those tended to, to be very, very similar. Well, Dave, I want to be recognized, so what should I do? <laughs> <laughs> do great work. <laughs> so give me some specifics on, on as your research tells, uh, I, I guess, gives us five, five sort of uh, – ways or processes sure um, let me uh, let me uh, let me pick uh, pick one of them and it's one that we ended up calling talk to your outer circle uh, and this is one that we found uh, counterintuitive 
and and yet very profound in its ability to help uncover uh, new ways of doing things or new types of value, new innovation. Uh, and let me give you just a little back backdrop to that. Uh, when you think about, let's start with an inner circle first. Every Every one of us has an inner circle, and statistically, that's between two and five people in our personal inner circles. We also have an inner circle in our work lives. Um, what we found in the data was that people who were having more creative ideas, better ideas, more innovative ideas that led to better outcomes tended to have conversations with people outside their inner circle. Most people just talk to the same very small group of, of peers or team members when they're trying to solve a problem. I think, I think most people do that. They're like, hey, we got this difficult problem. Let me go to my go-to people. Let's sort of circle around and see if we can solve this problem together. The, the challenge with that is that the reason they're in your inner circle is they tend to think kind of like you. That's why you get along so well. But what we saw was that the further away from the core group that you're usually talking to, the better the chances of innovative, fresh, new thinking. So the, the observable behavior was people would say, oh, they went and talked to a customer, and nobody had really got the customer perspective before. Or they had a conversation with somebody in the finance team, and then this idea kind of hit them about this way to do it. And so we, we saw these references to these conversations that seem to be highly correlated with great work outcomes. So that's a specific thing that each of us can do in our own work is rather than just get trapped into talking to the same people, being more intentional and deliberate about reaching out to people who are not in our same discipline, not in our same team, department, and getting a lot more variety of thought before uh, uh, trying to then uh, solve the problem because that ideation step of having those conversations really makes a huge difference. David, I'd be curious about whether you saw the pattern being not only is this person not in your normal inner circle, but was the further out the person <laughs> existed, was that an advantage? I mean, should I go out and look yeah. for wild ducks and people who really think very differently than I do? As a... You know, you know. Generally, we saw that pattern that the further away you went, the better the chances you had for disruptive thinking, uh, because even and we heard this in some of the one-on-one -on -one interviews where the person described even going and just having a conversation, let's say they're in HR and they're having a conversation with somebody in finance, just even describing the problem, they have to describe the problem differently because the other person maybe didn't have the same discipline or background or even the same context. And so it's counterintuitive. You think, well, gee, it would take such a long time to describe the problem to somebody who knows nothing about that domain. And yet, even in the sharing of the conversation, it, it, it prompted having to describe it in fresh terms. And then that person coming at it from such a different perspective would often have insights that maybe weren't directly 
solving the problem, but in the person's mind who's asking them the questions, new insights, new associations begin to trigger, leading to better than expected outcomes. And so, yeah, the further away, the better. So what else should I do to get recognized, David? One is around asking the right question. And I, I think sometimes in our work worlds, um, you, you know, we get a little calcified, in, uh, you know, in our, in our processes and in our what we think we know. And, and often I think that becomes an impediment to great work. We sort of settle into good work, which is doing what's expected and accomplishing pretty close to what we did yesterday. But, but it seemed, and, and, and boy, this bore out uh, frequently in the data, um, so many, when you trace the genesis of where did it begin for them, how did they get the idea originally, so often it began with them asking a really good question, a question that maybe others weren't asking, that maybe lived in the back of somebody's mind, but never sort of got pulled forward into their consciousness to really wrestle with it. Uh, there's a lot coming across our, our desk. There's lots of emails coming at us every minute. And, and so there's this temptation, there's this gravitational pull toward execution. Okay, I've got to just go get this done. And, and what, what I think people miss is that little window when you need to do something that's really going to make a difference, which is not the case for a lot of what comes across your desk. Most of what co comes across your desk, get it done, bang it out, go right into execution and get it, get it done. But there are certain opportunities, projects, problem sets that present themselves to you as real opportunities to do great work. And for those, it's important to give yourself a little window, give yourself some time to really push yourself to ask some kinds of questions that other people are not asking. And so be mindful of the kinds of questions you're asking yourself on the front end of those great work initiatives. And, and you'll find you get better at asking better questions and, and hence better at accomplishing great work and then ultimately being recognized for it. Is the competency there curiosity? Is it, is it a natural curiosity that people have? You know, I, I think that's super helpful um, to have that uh, sense of curiosity, and some, some seem to have more of that than others. Um, but from my perspective, if you, if you aren't that curious, what do you do? And, and our data would suggest simply by pushing yourself to ask those questions will help provoke possible target regions for solutions. And so um, I think it's something that we can actually do and actually apply even irrespective of the depth of curiosity that's, that's a, a more innate uh, function. Well, I found my partner, Jack Zinger, is great at this. Because <laughs> I'll, I'll do a piece of research and I'll put it on his desk and then he comes back with 15 questions on it. <laughs> How do you and do it, it Jack? <laughs> I, wish, I wish I knew David, you mentioned when Joe had asked you about how he, you know, how we can all be better, better recognized. You said you had a couple of ideas, and so one you've talked about is this asking the right question. What was the second? You know, another one is uh, is this uh, go see for yourself, go, going out and actually 
uh, getting a fresh perspective. People, they tend to think that their home in their work life is their desk. Their home is their laptop. Their home is their chair. That's where they work. That's where they think they need to do their work. And so they keep looking from the same perspective at their work and wonder why they're not seeing something different. And if you want to come up with different ideas, you got to look at things from multiple perspectives. When people go and actually leave their desk, actually go and see, so few people have actually observed how their work is consumed. If, if that is by the next person in their, in their company value stream, uh, whether that be uh, you know, a colleague is the beneficiary of their work, or all the way out to the customer. So few people have actually spent any time watching and seeing how their work is being used and consumed. And just even the process of going and looking sheds all kinds of new light and breaks down some, some uh, uh, assumptions that they had about how that work was being used. Years ago, I was teaching at the Stanford Graduate School of Business, and one of my colleagues was a man named Harold Levitt, who frequently would say the most valuable time that certainly managers spend in their day is not behind their desk, but it's invariably when they get out and go to, go to see a customer, go talk to a supplier, uh, go visit, you know, actually the, the, the application of their, of their company's product. Uh, so I certainly would would concur with what you uh, what you've observed. So what's your sense about the the triggers that cause people to to decide to make that decision? That I'm going to do great work. What what yeah. happens inside yeah. their thinking? That's a that's a great question. Um, and, and and I'm always wrestling with that, trying to understand what is it that brings that person in. And we talk a lot about engagement, and and I think a lot of people have thought, man, we've got to get people engaged so that they do great work. And we ran, we ran some interesting studies uh, the end of last year to try to shed some light on this. And we found that if you can get somebody engaged in a difference-making project, so let's say you're a manager and you've got a team and you're wondering, how can I engage the members of this team to do great work? My suggestion would be tackle a project, take on a, 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 a problem, take on an opportunity as a team where there's a real opportunity to make a difference. And what I found is that when people are involved, maybe not voluntarily at first, but once they're involved in a difference-making endeavor, when they have a shot at actually making a difference that other people are going to love, it raises their level of engagement dramatically. Thanks for tuning in to this interview with David Sturt. If you enjoyed it and want to have more information, we have the full interview in an ebook form, and you can download that at the link in our episode notes or on our podcast page on zengerfolkman.com. I am very excited for some of the topics that we have coming up in the new year. We are going to talk about agility. We have a great model that you can use for choosing your New Year's goals. We're also going to be sharing an amazing study about the confidence gap between men and women throughout their careers. So keep tuning in. 
Also, you can follow our LinkedIn page for the 90th Percentile podcast to get more behind the scenes, updates, article links, graphics. We post a lot of extra stuff on there, so be sure to follow. And you can also follow Jack Sanger and Joe Folkman on LinkedIn and send them a message about the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Have a happy new year, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.